Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about faith, family, freedom, the state of Illinois, our nation, and conservative action. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. I'm Monty Larrick, joined by Latasha Fields with the Center for Urban Renewal and Education. CURE is having a big summit in Chicago talking about some of the problems impacting uh, urban areas of uh, not only Chicago, but Detroit, Bloomington, Illinois, uh, you name it. CURE has uh, some ideas about how to bring about change, positive change, faith-infused change to urban areas. The whole aspect of faith and dealing with problems in inner cities, I think gets overlooked, especially by the radical regressive left. But, uh, you know, even a lot of conservatives. Yes, I, I agree. Because um, recently I, I was asked to um, present my testimony, my life story before uh, the House uh, committee. And what I shared with them was a story that we can prevail. We can rise above adversity. And and of course, the I witnessed firsthand for myself sitting in the uh, House committee room, sitting there in D.C., witnessing how there's so many that even look like me do not know how to accept, again, us rising above poverty. Uh, the whole committee budget hearing is about the economic challenges of struggling families. And I come from a struggling family and, and I share my story of having a baby at 17 years old, being on welfare the first two years, uh, buying a home at 18 years old and just pressing past that. You know, uh, when I went into a Planned Parenthood um, because I was so devastated being 17 years old, not knowing what decision to make, you know, I was asked that I want to abort the baby and deciding what decision that I wanted to live with for the rest of my life, that I want to live with killing my child, that I want to live with just pressing past and making something out of myself regardless of, of my decision, not holding the government accountable for my decision, not holding anyone accountable that the choice I made um, to be in a uh, promiscuous, to be, to have, be in a promiscuous behavior, that was my choice. And so I had to live with it. And, and what I shared and what I've always shared is that in, in that moment, I can hear my grandmother's voice saying that you make your bed hard, you lie in it. And so I chose to lay in that. I, I chose the latter to keep my child and, and press past the disappointment, the shame and the regret, finish high school um, and make something of myself and go to college. And, and, and that was my story, you know, and I did those things. And I, I worked at Burger King from 15 into uh, to my early 20s. And I bought a home at 18 years old, making $4.25 an hour at Burger King, three bedroom, one bath in my neighborhood that I grew up in in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And and, and I've just I've just been one that just, just want to be like the statistics. I didn't want to be a statistics. I didn't want to be part of that 72% of uh, young black women having, you know, not one but multiple babies out of wedlock. I wanted more for my life and, and I strive to have more. And, and so in, in purchasing at home and, and making decisions I made, you know, and then later the, the same real estate company that, that I rented from and, and then I bought the home through offering me a job that, that turned my life around. You know, I got out of Burger King, you know, and I became a secretary, then a rental manager. And then and later I, I got my real estate license. And so I shared that with the Republican Party. I shared that with the Democratic Party. And, and my message to them was this wasn't a Republican or Democratic agenda. This was this is the American way. You know, this is this is what our ancestors fought for. This is to me. I 
I'm a living witness of what civil rights meant, what Martin Luther King fought for, that we don't go and run to the government. We don't become, you know, government dependent. Yes, we need help, no doubt, but we have to learn to transition from that, not living perpetually on government entitlements, you know, and, and that's what I chose not to do. Well, let's break this down. You're 17, you're pregnant, you go to a Planned Parenthood, yeah. could have easily had an abortion. What changed your mind? Just because it was a choice. And I really sat there and, and one of my friend girls at, at, at the time, you know, we were weeping and crying and, and I just had to make a decision. Monty. I had to make a decision of what did I want to live with for the rest of my life? You know, did I want to live with that decision of the woulda, coulda, shouldas of what this child would have been and kill the child or persevere? You know, yes, life is hard, but I just felt for me, it would have been even harder to have lived with that I aborted that baby. And I decided that I'm going to go back to my family and friends and I'm going to still make something out of myself. I'm going to still prove that even though in that moment I felt like my life was ruined, I knew I could rise above this and I was going to take care of that child. And that's what I did. And now you have a child. I have four now. <laughs> I have four now. Do you ever regret your decision? No, I never regretted it. I never faulted my child. I never faulted anybody. I really held to my heart then and to now. It was my decision and I had to live with it. And it was no regret that. And, and then I focus on not just it was my decision. My whole life was to make a life for her. And that's that's where I kept my focus, that I'm going to make her the best possible life I can. And that's what I strive to do. What's her name? Vatavia. Harrison, yes. <laughs> and you got to be proud of her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So our life took some interesting turns after that. You know, um, I became a homeschool mom, my husband and I, 13 years ago. Well, let me back up a little bit. Uh, after eight years of being a single mom, you know, working two jobs sometimes, going to college, uh, I gave my life to Christ. You know, I got saved and I met my husband in the church and uh, Ronald Fields. I love him dearly. We got married. Um, and then we now have three babies, 12, nine and three. You know, and a year after I got saved and we got married, the Lord uh, pressed upon my heart to homeschool my daughter. And we pulled her out of public school when she was in the fourth grade. And I homeschooled her from fourth to twelfth grade. And last month she walked across the University of Bridgeport stage with a bachelor's degree in nutrition. And so we're extremely proud. We're extremely blessed. We're blessed of what God has done in, in our lives. And and we know what faith can do. We we know what education can do. Me and my husband both have trained. You know, my husband is a barbershop owner. You know, I, I have my real estate license. And, and now I'm a recent college graduate, to be honest with you. You know, I, I was one of those career <laughs> college kids, you know, but I just recently graduated from Trinity Christian College in Palo Heights with a bachelor's in business with a 4.0. So we know what 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 pressing through and persevering can can do. So we defy the odds of, of this perpetual state of looking to the government. So you're a fighter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I purpose in my heart to be because I want the best for my children, you know, and I, and I want to be an example to my people, you know, and I know it doesn't come easy. I know people need help. God knows I do. But but there is hope. There is hope and we can make better decisions. But you also mentioned at the outset that after having a baby at 17, mm -hmm. you bought a house at 18. <laughs> yes. How did that happen? Um, 
I, like I said, the the real estate company, and and, and you know, I, I'll just say who they are because I love them dearly. You know, Roy Carter Realty back home in Baton Rouge, they seen something in me, you know, and I was just young girl going in paying my rent, and they seen something in me that at that time I didn't really see in myself. And that's what it takes sometimes for other people to really see who you are. And I can just remember that 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 day that uh, I came in and, and they just asked me, did I want to buy a house? I didn't know anything. I was like, sure, let's let's do it. I don't know. And so I went through the first time on buyer's program uh, because, of course, at, at, at 18, I didn't have any credit or anything. You know, I was just working and I went through the program and, and it was just it was just it just blew my mind. It was just such a blessing. You know, you're such an example for other people. Do you, you see yourself as an example? My oh my. At the time, I didn't. You know, at the time, I thought I was just doing the best thing for my daughter. You know, I was just proud that I can be a great mom, you know, in essence, with no disrespect, but just be a better mom to her than what I had. Because I was raised by my grandmother. You know, my mother was on drugs, you know, in and out of prison. So in that moment, all I thought is I, I'm just going to be a better mom. You know, I had no idea my life would take the turns that it has taken, but I've always viewed my family as, as being, you know, growing up around, you know, drugs and crime and, and you know, all these things that, that the typical black kid has to go around. I always wanted to persevere through those things. And so I don't believe at that moment I looked at myself as an example then. But could you have done all that you have accomplished without coming to terms with Jesus Christ? I don't think so. I, I, I don't believe. Um, I know there's a lot of great people that have done a lot of great things that, that don't have the Christian faith. But I think for me, I have gained more than just accomplishments. I've gained a sense of purpose in my life. I've gained strength. I've gained ingenuity and tenacity. And more importantly, I gain a love for people. You know, and I think without Christ, you know, I probably would have still been successful. You know, who knows? But it's so much more. I have inherited the kingdom of God, which is the greatest reward, you know. And, and for me to win Christ, the excellency of the knowledge of Christ is no comparison to the degree and the other accomplishments. So for me, I, I thank God that he called and chose me. I thank God that I answered and that I obeyed. And that's the greatest reward because that's the that's the real inheritance for my children, not the education. The real inheritance, as the Bible speaks, is to lay up an inheritance for your children's children's children. And that's what I want to give my kids, a legacy of Christ, not just a legacy of my secular accomplishments. Latasha Fields. We're going to continue our conversation with Latasha here on Illinois Family Spotlight after this. This is Jerry Boyer of Town Hall Finance for townhall.com. Amazon recently announced that it will no longer sell books by Dr. Joseph Nicolosi and others which help people deal with unwanted same-sex attraction. With this, we've crossed a new boundary in the no longer latent authoritarianism of the sexual revolution. In Judaism and Christianity, your nature is defined by God. In ancient Greek thought, it was defined by nature. Our modern ongoing sexual revolution threw all of that aside and said that you define yourself. Your will decides your identity. But now, even that restraint is being thrown off, and a one-way door is erected in its place. If you want to self-identify as gay, you can, and help is available. But if you want to self-identify as straight, the help window is slammed shut. Amazon is moving in a chilling direction, from online book seller to online book censor. I'm Jerry Boyer.
Hello, I'm David Smith, the Executive Director of Illinois Family Institute, a state-based Christian pro-life and pro-family public policy organization. I want to invite you to join us as we seek to be salt and light to a dark and rapidly decaying culture. You can do that in a number of ways. For example, you can join our email list to get timely alerts and great cultural commentaries. You can like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, listen to our podcasts, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can attend one or more of the special events and forums we host in different parts of the state. We do all these things to encourage and equip Christians in Illinois. You see, we need you to help us fulfill our mission to boldly bring a biblical perspective to public policy. Our faith requires us to be bold, speak truthfully, and love our neighbors. Join us. Visit IllinoisFamily.org to learn more. Again, that is IllinoisFamily.org. Thanks once again for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. Monty Larrick here, joined by Latasha Fields with the Center for Urban Renewal and Education, or CURE, She's with the Chicago chapter, and we're recording this interview at the Summit for Solutions at Chicago Hope Academy on the west side of Chicago. Latasha, uh, what a story uh, you have about uh, being an out-of-wedlock mom at 17 and then moving beyond that thanks to perseverance and faith in Christ. And wow, you have really moved up. You were in Washington, D.C., talking to Democratic and Republican lawmakers. What was your message to them? Um, during that time, the, the message was personal responsibility and working hard. Um, and, and that was the message I gave them. And what I even articulated to them that uh, because we, I was feeling a sense that they didn't necessarily want to hear about personal responsibility. They didn't necessarily want to hear about working hard. And my statement and question to them was, as our elected officials, none of you have gotten where you are without working hard. None of you have become our elected officials but not having personal responsibility. And a few of them testified in terms of um, having raised up being poor and being in poverty and, and maybe having to have some kind of government subsidies. But even in that, my statement to them was, you did not perpetuate that for your life. You transitioned from that because everybody needs help. And so that was my message to them, you know, and, and a message that I couldn't articulate, but I'll say it now. Stop perpetuating to us as though we cannot rise above poverty. Poverty is not government entitlement. Yes, the government should, should make available to us equal opportunity and justice and, and civil rights, but it's not the perpetuating and, and this this. This, this statement I kept hearing, corporate moral responsibility. Well, what about the moral responsibility that we are obligated to walk in? As human beings, we have a personal moral responsibility over the choices we made. And, and that's what I, take, I took from D.C. that I wish could have been articulated even more, that we as people has the first moral responsibility over the decisions we make, not government. But Latasha, I would imagine that lawmakers from the radical, regressive left, didn't really like what you had to say. 
No, not at all. I uh, they they did not ask uh, me or the other witness from Cure and from the Republican side any questions. But in their opening statements, um, they definitely made us feel as though we were not really received. You know, the, our message was not received. It was not taken well. Um, there were a lot of statements made that that really made me feel like um, my accomplishment in, in life was more of a resentment. It was more to me. I perceived as I defy your agenda, you know, what you stand for. Because again, none of you have received the level of prosperity and power that you have by, by propagating what you propagate. So why do you continually peddle this message to my people? Because that is not the way you rise above poverty. It keeps them in power. It keeps them in power. It keeps them votes. It keeps them a seat. And so I, I just pray to God that he continue to use me to be the alternative voice to tell my people, you can rise above poverty without government perpetuating subsidies. Yes, you can. It takes personal responsibility. It takes working hard. And I tell, I told the Congress this yes, uh, recently that my grandmother bought a home in 1972, Monty. I was born in 1978. And she worked hard at Louisiana State University as a janitor. So I come from an environment, in spite of the drugs and the crime, I come from an environment where I seen a woman work hard. I seen work ethics. And so I cannot help but to be who I am. I know it takes working hard to rise above it. I know that for a fact. Do you think your message, it may not be resonating with lawmakers in Washington, but is it resonating with people back at home, people in the communities? I think it is because when, when you talk to our communities, my family and friends, I think it does resonate. It's just, it's just, a, it's just a disconnect when it's time to vote. It's just such a disconnect. And I think the biggest disconnect that can happen to the black community, there's no longer voter education, if you, if you will. You know, we have been um, traditionally very loyal to the Democratic Party. And it's not the same Democratic Party that our grandmothers or great grandmothers had. And so it's not the John Kennedy Democratic Party. Not at all. And so I think what needs to happen and what is happening is we need to be educated. You know, we need to be, you know, aggressively educated on where they stand now. And just to know that their goal is to keep us subservient. Their goal is to keep us perpetually on this plantation. You know, it's definitely, and, I, and I, I'm, I've seen it firsthand when I was there. It wasn't on TV. I was sitting there. I'm discerning. I'm seeing. I'm feeling. And I'm just saying, my God, this is this is really socially engineered enslavement. Because I'm looking at Democratic leaders that look like me. I'm looking at them saying, I can be your daughter. I can be your granddaughter. How can you sit there, hear my story that resembles your story and not be proud and not applaud that, not care about that? Why you don't care that I, ro I rose above the very destruction and dismantle that has been placed on you and me? That hurt me to see them sitting there just basically as though I didn't even exist. Well, you're pushing back. But are enough blacks pushing back right now? I think we're far and few. I, I think there, there are many that people realize, but I think we're scattered, you know, and, and, and we are fighters and we are believers. And God is definitely pulling all of us together. And Kira is an example of that, that we are coming together. We are rising up. And I, and I think the Democratic Party is getting a little scared there. They're seeing a lot of faces, you know, and I was one. 
you know, so I, I think they're, they're more of us than they think. Well, there you go. We don't have a lot of time to discuss this, but you're also a, a big advocate for parental rights oh, yeah. and home education. Let's start with parental rights. Tell me about what you're doing there. Yeah, yeah. So I'm the state coordinator for parentalrights.org. I've been with parental rights now about five years. And you and say state, Illinois? Yes, yeah, state coordinator. Yes, yeah, state coordinator. Um, so parentalrights.org is basically trying to pass an amendment in the Constitution where parents have a right in terms of the medical decisions they make for their children, the education decisions that they make for their children, and just, the, just the, the care and well-being of their children. And so we definitely are on the battlefield in terms of advocating that. And again, as a homeschool mom, I'm definitely on the front line because I want to uh, have a choice into continuing to educate my children. So we're definitely advocates for school choice, that parents should have a choice to choose whether it's homeschooling, whether it's private, whether it's public. They should have that right uh, to choose what's best for their children. Well, we keep hearing from different media sources and what have you that uh, education choice is a winning issue with black voters. Do you buy that? I do. I do. I think in that sphere, we are waking up because, um, unfortunately, the public school system has increasingly grown to fail us. And I think a lot of parents are tired. A lot of parents are waking up and seeing that they have to choose better for their children. Yes. What about uh, the issue of parental rights? Uh, there's an effort to make vaccinations, for instance, mm -hmm. mandatory. Mm -hmm. And now we have legislation that will require kids in our public school system to go through LGBT history. And parents need to become increasingly aware of that. And I don't think a lot of parents really understand the severity of that, especially Christian parents, you know, because you, I, I would imagine, according to biblical principles, we don't want our children exposed um, to such an um, alternative lifestyle. And so I think that more parents need to become aware of that. Um, but one of the issues that I'm seeing um, in, the, in the black community that if they wanted to pull their children out of public school, where would they send them? And so this is where the church has to rise up and take its place and get in position. Um, because like for me and my husband, we have a homeschool support group in Chicago and we also have a Christian school. So I do homeschool other kids, but it's gonna take more than us. you know. So the church has to get in position and help these families because we can advocate all the time about take them out, take them out, but where are they gonna take them? And so we need a place for them to take their children. I mean, Chicago Hope Academy is, is, is an option, you know, for high school. So we need more places, Christian education, that, that we need to place our children. And so that is a big part of our advocacy, advocacy too. And even dealing with CURE, that we have to, we have to get pastors to understand these issues and what's happening to the families. So are you encouraging pastors to say, uh, elders, uh, we need to start a Christian school here at our church. Yeah, definitely. We definitely do. I mean, there needs to be cooperative schools, you know, Christian cooperative schools. And so, again, we're working, we're dealing with whomever will listen, you know. And so the, the cry is out there that parents, families need help. And that's what the Bible is all about. That's what our faith is all about. You know, it's not about the money and the pulpit and, and the locations and the places. It's about family. You know, uh, Christ died for family. What is a what is a community without family? What is a what is a state? What is a nation without families? And so we need to be the repairs of the breach. We need to restore families. And and as the body of Christ, we need to be in a position where we can help these families. Parents need help, and the church should be there for them. Well, wearing your parental rights hat, what would you say to parents who now have a at least one child in the public school system, who are now going to be subjugated 
to this indoctrination, LGBT history? Should you go to the principal? What should you do? Yeah, I mean, parents, you need to be a little proactive. Yeah, the parents should definitely. I said gather all the parents, all the parents in your community, all the parents that, that have kids in that particular school system and go and be a voice. Fight. Advocate for your children. Don't give up. Keep fighting until they hear you. Keep fighting until they understand. Go to the principal. Go to the town hall meetings. Go to the school boards. They need to fight. And that is another issue that you're not seeing a cry in the street. Parents should be in the street protesting even now um, about what is happening to their babies. It needs to be a fight going on. They need to be heard that this is unacceptable, that this is unacceptable. Latasha Fields with Cure. People probably would like to get in contact with you. How can they do that? Yes, they can definitely email me. My email address is chessupchicago at yahoo.com. And that's chess, C-H-E-S-S-U-P, Chicago at yahoo.com. Um, and that is our uh, homeschool support group, Christian Home Educator Support System. And they can call me. Uh, I can be reached at area code 773-814-6843. So I'm, I'm here. I'm here to, to support. I'm here to help and to guide whatever we can do. We're here. Listen, thank you so much. You. Uh, what an interesting story. Yes, and uh, God bless you and your family. Your husband and family have been blessed. Yes, thank you. All right. Well, thank you folks for tuning in. A reminder, our Faith, Family, and Freedom Banquet coming up November 1 with the Reverend Franklin Graham. You don't want to miss that. Get your tickets soon because we're anticipating a sellout. You can just go to IllinoisFamily.org, click events, and you can get the information you need to get your tickets. Also, you could just give us a call at 708-781-9328. Please support the work of Illinois Family Institute and tell a friend about Illinois Family Spotlight. Until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. For more information, please visit us at ifiaction.org and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. If you would like to email us questions or comments, please do so at feedback at ifiaction.org. Until next time, stay engaged and keep your eyes on the prize.